Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, March 29th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're two weeks into NFL free agency, and the Chiefs have experienced more losses than gains. Players like Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman, Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley, Colin Saunders, Juan Thornhill, they're gone. The Chiefs have signed offensive tackle Juwan Taylor, defensive lineman Charles Amenahue, and linebacker Drew Tranquil, and there may be more. On today's show, star columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, along with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, suggested that what's happening is in line with what the Chiefs figured would happen, and nothing that has occurred changes the idea that the Chiefs will remain a Super Bowl contender. It was a terrific conversation with the Chiefs coverage team, so let's get started. Herbie, we start with you with injuries, but uh, we won't do that today. But I want to start with you with the intersection of Chiefs and Kansas State in the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, I, enjoyed the, I enjoyed the Patrick Mahomes references uh, during the tournament and the way Marquise Noel played. Did you, um, uh, did you think about that during the Wildcats run? Absolutely, you know, that stud point guard, the starting point guard from K-State. Yeah, it, it, that was a heck of a run. No shame. Picked the finish last in the Big 12 and to, to make it to the Elite Eight. Hell, alma mater. There you go. Patrick got pretty engaged uh, in the social medias, with uh, particularly with uh, his... his uh, right um, ankle injury? Yeah, but also just the way I think Marquise played. I think he, I think he liked Marquise's style, and I, I, it, I kept thinking about Patrick, uh, the basketball player, that that might be a little bit of what he looked like, except a foot taller. <laughs> could, could have been. I like the out of bounds play they ran, which was an homage to the Chiefs, uh, the bubble screen uh, to get the, uh, to get the ball in bounds. But anyway, fun run for Kansas State. I thought maybe we were going to get a. Uh, um, you know, we started with KU uh, last year, winning the national championship. Continued with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and I guess Kansas State's problem was the wrong beat writer. Yeah, Jesse Newell was not on the beat. Guys, what can I say? I'm for hire. <laughs> <laughs> we we love Kellis. Don't get us wrong, Kellis. We love you to death, but Jesse has the golden touch. Yeah, he does. He certainly does. But um, uh, but. <laughs> There's another beat I can think of right now where uh, Jesse's magic touch is needed in a big way. It's like the only team around here that doesn't it's, win. It's called a heat check. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. The first time we've gotten together like this since the Super Bowl, and it's great to see everybody. We are uh, we're a month away from the draft. We're through, for the most part, through free agency, Herbie. Um, could see some more things happen, but uh, are, are the Chiefs finished with this part of, um, of, the, of the calendar? I would probably say yes. We, we are full-blown in, as you know, I lovingly call speculation season. The draft is coming up in less than a month, actually. Yeah, yeah. The, right, right over here, we're looking out the window from where we're recording this, <laughs> and that is where the draft is going to happen. I think, if anything, they're at a point now where if there's any signings, it'll be a one-year deal. The first wave is your massive deals. I just want to point out, you know, if you remember the last time we had this show, uh, one of our colleagues was arguing with me on on, on the podcast that McCole Hardman would get a multi-million dollar deal. Uh, but I, I correctly pointed out that, you know, he's, this is the one-year contract deal. 
which he got. So well, it, listen, it, old it, man, he got a multi-million dollar deal, which is what you misspoke. He didn't get a multi-year deal, which is what I said. Yeah, multi-year. So yeah, multi-year. We also have on the record that Danny Shelton was not going to make the team from the rookie beat right over here. Meanwhile, Mr. Herbie Teope was just drooling in training camp about this guy. So I'll go one for one on that. But, uh, you know, Herbie's right. At this, you know, at this stage, there's not going to be many signings left. And it's one and one. I do want to hear from the columns, though. I mean, what do you think about the Chiefs' offseason? I mean, they did make a couple splashes, but at the same time, you can still see some things out there that are like, okay, uh, who's their right tackle? Okay, uh, do they have enough edge rushers? Do they have enough receivers? Uh, to me, it seems kind of like the continuation of last year where they kind of fill in most of everything and then let the draft fall to them. But are you concerned about some of these positions? Because obviously some fans are very concerned about some of these positions. Yeah, the interesting thing is the Chiefs' needs are still what they were, I think, going into the offseason when we all talked about they had to have uh, defensive line help. And it wasn't just edge rushers, defensive tackle as well. And they lost Colin Saunders, who played a significant amount of snaps. I, I thought they could do better than Colin Saunders and Derek Naughty, but... They've got Naughty back, and then Saunders left, and you know there's not obvious replacements there, I don't think, yet. Um, but I, I think the Chiefs are at a place where, if nothing else, they can learn from their own recent history of not getting tied in to bad deals is how you extend this thing. I mean, they're, I would actually argue that the worst contract on the Chiefs books right now is probably Jawan Taylor who they just signed three weeks ago. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> when you look at the rest of their books, there's not really a bad deal on, you know, what is it? How many guys do they have on the roster now? Herbie, 70 maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not one that you're trying to say, oh, I'd really like to get out of that deal. And most teams have that. And the only way that you can pay a quarterback $50 million, obviously they're paying him a little bit less because they did the restructuring for a portion of that, um, but the only way you can pay a guy, you know, 20% of your salary cap and still compete is if he's alone at the top with the real, true, best at their position type players, which is what they currently have. Sam, you've written particularly extensively about this, and I, I wonder if this is a true statement. We understood the Chiefs were going to start doing business this way for the last couple of years, that that was going to be more and more, for lack of a better term, kind of savage about that's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But now it is, it is completely defining with the way they do business. It's the MO. Yeah. It is kind of yeah. – I mean, they, the, I, I, well, I don't want to say they lucked into this, but their hands were forced into this. I mean – You mean by Tyreek's situation yeah, last we, year? We yeah, we constantly forget that they tried to pay Tyreek Hill $25 million last year. Yeah. And Tyreek is the one that said no initially. And so then they looked – for alternatives, which is totally the right thing to do. You cannot let the top assets walk for free. That's that's how teams, you know, have these peaks and valleys. That's how the Packers constantly would have these peaks and valleys. You also can't keep guys around too long. I mean, we've heard Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. He wants to bring Randall Cobb with him. He wants to bring Mercedes Lewis with him. The Chiefs don't have those guys to where it's like, well, you got to pay this guy when he's 32, 33 years old still. They'll move on from guys and a part of it is I think that the quarterback has the understanding of that um, but I, I do applaud the Chiefs for at least learning even if their hands were forced last year they are learning their own lesson from well, how it worked out look this is that's a great great point they they thought that way to some degree before right <clears throat> excuse me but Tyreek really was the 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 absolute you know defining aspect of that what would be interesting to talk to Brett Veach about at some point would be how much did that even 
tell him like we have to be proactive even on things like that i mean you know that we need to like advance whatever advanced metrics on this would be now because of that yeah I mean, there's difference between i think there are already and in, in terms of comparison to the previous regime they're already at the place of let's not play pay old guys let's get younger players let's get speed they're already there but as far as potentially departing with a guy in his prime that's a different place yeah and that's something we saw this offseason with Orlando Brown. I still think Orlando Brown's a better left tackle than Jawan Taylor is. Um, it's an experiment. It's a risk at left tackle. They don't have a right tackle. They have a risk at left tackle this next year. Like, that's very real. Um, but the, the contract that Orlando Brown took with Cincinnati Bengals was not one he was willing to take with the Chiefs because he wanted to see if he could do better in the open market, and the market told him he could not. As, as much as I hate to compare the Chiefs to the Patriots, because you know, we're, we're always going to talk about the next dynasty, but the, that's one thing that Belichick and Robert Kraft up there in New England did very well. You know, you get your late 20s, late 30-something-year-old superstars, and they just didn't pay them. They just Absolutely. reloaded through yeah. the draft. And then you saw the Chiefs last year start out with 12 draft picks, ended up with 10. This year they're going into the draft again with 10 picks. So you may have lost some talent, but you're going to get some blue chippers here in the draft again. I think that's what he set it up. But that's what the Patriots did. The Patriots always built on the draft. Yeah. Well, I do want to mention this, too. It's like the Chiefs have first-world NFL problems, right? I mean, like, I'm listening to, like, the Bears right now, and they have nobody on their defensive line. Like, like they need four new defensive linemen <laughs> and <laughs> have none of them yet. So um, the Chiefs, like, okay, right tackle. We talked at, at Combine, Herbie, to, to Brett Beach. Okay, um, you know, Lucas Niang, he started for them before. Could he be right tackle again? He could be. It's an option there. Um, you know, receiver, they did pretty well with the guys they had last year. Plus, we got to consider Travis Kelsey receiver. They need to add a guy or two. We know that. But, like, the foundation of what they have, along with Patrick Mahomes, could that work? It could work. You know, pass rusher. At this time last year, we didn't know who it was going to be. They signed Carlos Dunlap late. They fixed that problem, that sort of thing, and drafted George Karloftis. So um, it is interesting because kind of always keeping all avenues open, to me, where they sit at in the draft, it allows them to, whoever falls to them, they've got three or four positions. You say, hey, you don't, okay, not the whole NFL doesn't know the Chiefs have to have a tackle. If the receiver falls, they take the receiver. If a tight end that you think is the next Travis Kelsey falls, you take that. So this is kind of maybe what I would say is more the organizational philosophy now is just to, to cover everything okay enough now and then leave yourself open to whatever option comes to you. And that could be Odell Beckham Jr. still. That could be other things that, that pop up. But right now, the Chiefs are in an envi- enviable position that they don't need four guys in a position. They aren't just desperate to take somebody. Their options are kind of open because they can sort of fill in these gaps, and these gaps aren't that huge, at least compared to other teams. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. I want to go back to the Tyreek Hill trade and, and what the Chiefs got from that and how that has shaped their philosophy going forward. They they already had a lot of draft picks when they traded Tyreek Hill, and then they got, was it two more for, for last year? 
So that's how they ended up with 12. And, you know, it, at the time, it went back to 10 for the actual draft. But that's an abundance of picks. And they drafted so well, right? They got nine of those guys played in the Super Bowl. And I, I can't remember how four started or whatever the number was, however many started. But I, I think when we look back on these Chiefs, whatever era this is, that um, that that transaction, trading Tyreek Hill, getting back in return uh, what they did, parlaying that into the season that they had, to me is um, a, kind of a transformational moment for this organization and does set the standard for what they can do and think about going forward. And, and as Sam, you mentioned, they, get, they have 10 picks this year. Um, that, th- that to me is the model of, of how you need to win in the NFL and play for championships and not, you know, sadly what's going, what the Ravens are going through right now um, and l- with Lamar Jackson. That's, that has the potential really to screw up their franchise for, for a long time, even though he's under contract for the Ravens, right? But, um, but he doesn't want to be there now. He doesn't want to play there. And what did I, I saw where Richard Sherman came out and said that Patrick Mahomes screwed it all up by not getting all of his money guaranteed. Yeah. Um, and not uh, not Deshaun Watson and the, and the Browns who guaranteed all of that two hundred and eighty <laughs> yeah. million or whatever it was. It was somehow Patrick Mahomes' fault because Lamar Jackson needs to get all of his money guaranteed. This contract is guaranteed eighteen months in advance. It's it's not nothing. And, and the crazy thing about the Mahomes deal, remember before the Deshaun Jackson contract, I mean you you had also these other quarterbacks who had other deals. So I don't know why in the world Richard Sherman's pointing out Patrick Mahomes. You know, it, the Browns he's, were just desperate. He's, he's yeah. the guy that has been paid but is most visibly underpaid among the guys yeah. that have already gotten to that second or third contract stage. Uh, to your point, though, Blair, I mean, the 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 must-have in this whole equation is you have to draft well. But, like, every team should go into the draft saying we've got to hit the draft. The Chiefs just really hit the draft last year. I think – I do think the Chiefs draft well. I think they have a good group. You know, Brett Veach is a scout background primarily – Mike Borgonzi is the assistant GM. He is a scout background primarily. Like they're, they're guys now that make up that front office have been doing this a long time. And for whatever reason, other than Ryan Poles, they don't lose their front office guys that often. So they've had this, this core group in there for decades now. So I, I think there's an advantage there that they – but I think it's unrealistic to expect that they're going to get the same contribution that they got from the 2022 draft class every year going forward now it, it's going to vary i mean they historically don't draft receivers that well for example and that is something they need in this draft i also think it's really important to point out that this is a bad draft class like across almost all universal positions it's not near the talent in this year's draft class that there was in last year's draft class we all remember when brett beach was sitting in his pre-draft press conference last year where he said there's going to be a running back that goes undrafted that might get a thousand yards this year yep his seventh-round pick was there. So he's right about that. I don't think he can come into a press conference and say, there's going to be a seventh-round pick that makes a major impact on my team. And he had two of them start in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, to to your point, I think it emboldens the Chiefs because I kind of make a blackjack reference. It's like if you have 11 and you double down and you hit your 10, you're a genius. If you hit your 6 and the other guy gets 20, you're an idiot. So, I mean, that's kind of the Chiefs. They doubled down, but the process that they had, which was correct, ended up with the perfect result. They hit, they hit, they doubled down, they got the 10. You know what I mean? If they would have got the 5 or the 2 or the 3 and things blew up and the Chiefs missed the playoffs, 
all of a sudden we're having a different conversation. Like, hey, why they let Tyreek Hill go? They could have made the playoffs. Now this thing, this dynasty thing is up in the air. So part of this is what, I mean, the Chiefs drafted well. You cannot take that away from them. As Sam said, though, are they going to draft this well every year? If they do, then it'll be the dynasty of all dynasties. You can't anticipate that. I mean, some of this is just the things fell right for them last year. So you hope that if you're a Chiefs fan, that that, that, that sort of thing happens year after year, or at least they're above average. But we know from the studies over time, it's mostly a crapshoot. Mostly year to year, it's going to vary. And so the Chiefs sitting on their draft picks was a huge deal last year. And because the result matched up with the process, we can all sit here and say, hey, the Chiefs did the right thing. But now they are emboldened to say, we did the right thing, and we're going to continue to do the right thing because it worked out last year. Well, and they're in position to do it with all the draft picks that they have. And 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 they have a honeymoon period, too. I mean, the Super Bowl trophy gives you a nice little leeway to uh, kind of go carte blanche a little bit and say, hey, uh, this worked for us. Trust in the process because it just worked. This is a little bit of a simplistic point, but I guess if we were just thinking about how the Chiefs are going to be this season, I think last year's draft class means this year's draft class doesn't have to be anywhere near what that was, but they're going to have to spackle in with some other things. Yeah, right? they have- I mean, they... they I mean, is that? Do you guys agree with that? I mean, is that a? They've, I, they've let more. Uh, just in terms in of this terms season, of, in terms of quantity, they've let more go this year, this off season than they let go last off season. In terms of what what left and what's coming in, I mean, there's not a lot that's come in so far. Um, but they obviously have not let anybody near the caliber of Tyreek Hill go. Um, I I would debate um, just. I think wide receivers what fans are most concerned about right now. Um, I would debate uh, that Juju Smith-Schuster is a number one wide receiver. Um, that they, it, it's, it's surprising to me the panic because of what the quarterback did with the group he had last year. Um, but I also think it's entirely reasonable to expect Sky Moore to be considerably better this year. Yeah. And they did not have Kadarius Toney for the majority of last year, and he barely played in the Super Bowl coming off of an injury. Um, so they're, and they didn't have McCole Hartman last year. They were fine without McCole Hartman. Right. So I think you can look at it and say they add Kadarius Tony this year. You can look at it and say they get a better Sky Moore. I mean, Jesse and I talked about this quite a bit. I thought Sky Moore was had a lot of promise last year. Um, he gets open. He got open considerably higher frequency weight than Juju Smith Schuster did. Um, I, I guess I'm not as panicked about the wide receivers as I think what I'm, I'm reading out there. I think your juju point is good, though. Like, the Chiefs are in this great spot where they can sign a guy on a prove-it deal, and they want to come play for Mahomes, they want to come play for Andy Reid. That's what juju was. So yeah. you don't pay juju after he became what he was. Yeah, don't don't get don't get caught into paying for what a guy did for you last year. And that's, that, why that's the, sort of the overriding yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's why the Beckham thing, again, I know there's speculation out there, but it, that, that makes more sense. That's last year's juju. You know what I mean? That's the guy. Prove-it deal. You've been out of the league for a while now. You've had the injury. Okay, come to the Chiefs. Again, I know he just won a ring, so maybe his calibration is a little bit different. He won it with the Rams, but I mean, that makes some sense to me. It's like a guy who needs to go out there, rebuild his value, and what better place to do it than with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, who he just saw Juju do that. So I, I think the Chiefs are in this really good spot where you don't have to pay for what a guy did. You can pay for what a guy is going to do. And, and that's sort of where they're at with Kadarius Tony. That's where they're at with the draft. And that's where they could be with OBJ if they decide to go that path. I, I fully agree with Sam here. I'm, I'm not panicking on the wide receiver position either. you got to remember, Tony was a first-round talent. Okay, you, You've got Marquez Valdez, Scantley returning agreed on Sky Moore, and there's a guy that nobody's talking about, and Jesse knows this because he wrote extensively about him last year when the Chiefs signed him as an undrafted free agent. 
Justin Ross, if not for those injuries, I is really a first round pick. Going to Jody I thought Jody Fortson too. I was one hundred percent ready, and I was like, I don't write about him. You write about him. That's your beat. You remember? You remember when Veach talked to us about, and he raved about Justin Ross, if not for that injury. You know, it, they did their research on him. He was on injured reserve last year. If he's healthy this year, you're talking about another first round talent that's all of a sudden in the Chiefs wide receiver room along with I guess we gotta throw we gotta throw the John Ross question mark in there too the former top guy who runs really fast they signed him to a reserve deal at the end of the year Amir Smith-Marset was with the Chiefs practice squad last year another guy that was drafted had high hopes for him so uh, you throw that on there all in there and again um, Beach and those guys know their staff better than anybody but I'd still expect an addition somewhere along the yeah, line yeah, it's, it's, it still feels like there's something out there Justin Watson obviously uh, no news on him yet so uh, that's that's the vibe just waiting for you guys <laughs> as to- I said to go there. A great pen man, um, the only one I know. So, uh, I, yeah. Pack <laughs> it up. You honestly should write a story just with the headline. Just, people are going to see how the sausage is made here. Just with the headline of how are the Chiefs possibly going to replace this receiver? And it's a Justin Watson. <laughs> Justin Watson. Most snaps, right? Most, um, among receivers. Trusted. Then, then, uh, Trusted. Actually, among all receivers, right? Did he have more than Juju did last year? I think year? he did. And I believe I read a Sam McDowell column that he's one of the guys they should bring back. I thought you might have even suggested a two-year. Blair, did you know? I did not suggest a two-year. Blair, did you know Justin Watson was joining us on this podcast? Did you know he had all the facts and figures ready? We're getting a pen man. It's crazy. It's amazing. Uh, How about DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, He's what thirty-two years old. He costs twenty million dollars against the cap, and. He does not get open. He is a contested catch wide receiver. Andy Reid does not like throwing balls in traffic. Patrick Mahomes doesn't like throwing balls in traffic. Um, so I just think his advantages are completely eliminated by the offense that the Chiefs run. Doesn't doesn't mean zero percent, but it that that fit does does not make sense. To I me. love that point you just made. I, I wouldn't have thought about that out loud at all. But the idea that he he makes his he distinguishes himself with the contested catch, and that's just not what they're going to want yeah, to be. He's about. really good at it. Like he's I'm, amazing like it's, at it. Not, it's right? not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not saying that there's anything wrong with Hopkins. Although he's missed time each. Like I think yeah. he's played in ten games each of the last two years. Um, the Chiefs have their suspended a, last a, year too. Suspended, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a weird fit, and we know that one of the reasons he left Houston was Houston traded him for pennies on the dollar because of the locker room fits. So I think that's an, an additional question. I don't know if being being a third – the only reason I'm, I'm not saying 0% is because you never know if a player is willing to suddenly take a pay cut to, to make something work. Yeah. The Chiefs have their contested catch guy, Jody Fortson, so uh, that role is taken <laughs> on the roster. Yeah, I, think, I think you mean they have their not get open guy, Jody Fortson. <laughs> wow. Oh. Wow. I did not say wow. that. Touchdown, Jody. Touchdown, Jody. Real quick, it does bring up a point, though, too, that the Chiefs um, – Used multiple tight ends a lot last year too. Did, so yeah. let's let's bring that into like we talk about. Hey, receiver, receiver, receiver. We just talked about three of them. We expect to play a lot. And oh, by the way, last year they played two tight ends double what they did the year before, and they have all of those guys coming back. It's also so, like it's the one exception to what I said earlier about the draft class is there are a lot of first and second day tight ends in this draft class, and ooh. it surprised me a little bit that Blake Bell was brought yeah. back for that reason because I I did think this would be a good draft for the Chiefs to try and get a tight end. I mean, you mentioned the Travis Kelsey play. Like Travis Kelsey is not going to be in any draft for the next twenty years. Well, like that that guy's not coming again in the draft. But 
you do need somebody, I think, that starts to prepare for the fact that, I mean, it's a, it's a fact that Travis Kelsey started to play fewer snaps last year. And it's reasonable to think that that number might dip down even a little bit further this next year. And let's be honest, the most likely Travis Kelsey replacement in, form, in terms of the Chiefs offense is going to be a receiver, not a tight end. Because yeah. the tight ends they've hit on with Tony Gonzalez and obviously Travis Kelsey, that doesn't come around that often. I mean, it just doesn't. So, um that's why potentially at the end of the first round, if they see a Jalen Hyatt or a receiver out there that they really love, they say, take him, see if you can get him in the system, and that's your Travis Kelsey replacement, even though it's not the same position. A uh, lot of snaps for Justin Watson last season. Did not lead the wide receivers oh. um, in that category. Who was Mar- Marquez? No. Marquez and, and then Juju, so there were two what? ahead. Um, <laughs> how, how in the world how is how, how close is it? Not very. How do these agents get certification <laughs> nowadays to come at you with non-facts to try to pump up their guys when they don't know what they're talking I about? I should have known by the kind way you were expressing it that it didn't close. Could you not brought it up after we were done? MBS <laughs> <laughs> had 777 snaps. Justin Watson had 494. 494. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is uh, less than I thought, but more than most fans think. Because he didn't have that many okay. catches, yeah. and he also didn't drop a lot. You gotta remember also he didn't he didn't really start getting involved but in he the all the snaps until like midway through the season when you had Juju out and then Kadarius Tony was out. That's true. Yeah, McCole Hardman went on injured reserve, so that's when this is where he fit. In. Is what you're saying? <laughs> he was the only guy left. He could take the lid off, and I, I I can tell you this: he had the longest reception of the season. That, that is true. Yes, um, probably had the longest touchdown of the season too, which was a different play. That different was. Play. And there was a certain point I was writing or, or researching it, and it was the Chiefs' longest, like only Patrick Mahomes touchdown over 20 air yards, I think. Was that play to J.C. Jackson? If you guys can think of another one off the top of your head, but the, he had the deep one in the Raiders game. Raiders he got, game he got tackled at the two-yard like, yeah, line. Yeah, like 67 yards or uh, that, that is sort of what you are talking about, Sam, is like this offense is so much creating space, getting yards after the catch, and so that's why some yeah, of these receivers absolutely. don't fit as much because Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes make this thing work. Uh, they might not need the same sort of talent as other offenses do. Uh, and I, I wanted to go back also and mention with Sky Moore – I thought, you know, because of the fumbled punts early in the season, I thought it, it affected him mentally, and I thought it just kept him in a sort of a, his own personal doghouse for a lot of the season. And that's why, of of the Super Bowl touchdowns, I was happiest for him. Uh, his first NFL touchdown came in the Super Bowl, and I, I remember seeing him in the locker room after the game, and he was just beside himself, just as happy as anybody in that locker room because he, he had contributed, and um, I just thought... I, I think he is poised to have a really nice season in, in year two. You know, take the take the punt return away from which I assume is going to happen. I, I assume that he will not return punts again, especially if you have Kadarius Tony back yeah. there. But I don't know uh, if I'd assume though. <laughs> I, I, I would I would suspect we'd see Sky Moore return at least a handful of punts we'll next see. year. We'll see. Um, but you know, he the uh, five thirty eight actually the what we all think probably more is a, is a politics site, but does um, information and data on just how open guys get. And Sky Moore gets open more frequently than any Chiefs receiver does. He creates more separation off of the guy guarding him than any Chiefs receiver. I think we saw some instances last year, though. I specifically remember the, the game Jesse and I were at in San Francisco when the Chiefs have so many options for receivers to judge coverages, and I think that's where Sky Moore struggled last year is knowing when to cut under a guy, when when to duck behind him. 
Um, yeah, when to take the shallow versus the deep route. That's the stuff I think he's going to have to get on the same page this year if he's going to take that step forward. But it's pretty natural to assume that a guy that's been in the system for a year rather than a week might might make some of those leaps. The beauty of the Chiefs offense is Mahomes and Kelsey, if they get on the same page, it's really hard to guard because they, in real time, figure things out together and they can yeah. take on different defenses post-snap by doing that. Uh, I'm going to write about this eventually at some point, but first game of the season, the Chiefs have that throw-over-the-top play action to Travis Kelsey. He kind of goes to a corner route. He's open and gets by the linebacker because he saw he had to outrun the linebacker. Super Bowl, first passing play. They run it the same play, except Travis Kelsey sees the safety coming at him and cuts it off more of a, a squared-off route, and they complete the same pass only in different ways because of the defenses that are facing. So that's the area where Sky Moore can, can grow. I mean, I think he can run the routes. It's just the post-snap processing and knowing all the routes that it takes some time. But once it gets going under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that's where you really see magic, and that's where you see magic from Mahomes and Kelsey making a lot of these plays work that might not for other teams. Just just the last piece on Sky Moore. I, I remember talking with Jesse last Last year because we were out at minicamp and um, Sky Moore did not know what side of the line of scrimmage he was supposed to be on. It was back-to-back plays and I looked at Jesse and I said he's not going to play that much if he can't figure out what's if Patrick Mahomes continually having to tell him this is where you need to line up. You can get that part down. Now you start studying this aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Is what do I do post-snap? What do I do after I beat my guy off the line of scrimmage? And so that's why, like I said, I don't think it's a big leap to say that Sky Moore is going to be better this year than he was last year because his, his reason for not being on the field is not for a lack of talent. Right. Now he, that wasn't the Super Bowl touchdown where the Chiefs weren't lined up right, was it, or was it Tony's? It was that one. It was Sky. Yeah. Sky Moore, yeah. That Tony pointed at Patrick and said, "You're motioning the wrong dude." So <laughs> yeah, went the yeah, other yeah, way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey was in the wrong spot. It was supposed to be a three by one. It was a two by two. But uh, Andy Reid marched down the sideline and called timeout. Tried to to the official who didn't have a whistle. And uh, Matt Nagy is in the background said, "Let Patrick figure it out." And sure enough, Patrick figured it out in a certain way to uh, get the right guy. It's in also why, why Kadarius Tony played so much early on, though. I mean, for him to recognize on that play. He's the newest receiver in the room. For him to be the guy that says, no, it's got to go to that side. We constantly heard, you know, Andy Reid likes to say that everybody's a smart kid, the yeah. way he phrases it. But that's a, that's a real-time example of why somebody gets on the field immediately. Well, it, it, like he got on the field, remember, at, what was it, three days after he arrived? He was in yeah, there for, for a little plays, bit. Yeah, right? and then I played mean, pretty significantly yeah. over the next month. He would have played more in the Super Bowl, I think, had he been, yeah. you know, more obviously healthy, feeling 100%. But you're right, Andy does use that term smart kid a fair amount, but he, you, you can tell when he's using it with extra conviction. And he, he was using it with Kadarius that way a lot, I thought. All right, Vahe, you were the only one in the room who went to Otis Taylor's uh, memorial mm. service. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was, it was really moving. What was interesting, you know, you would almost think this stuff wouldn't come up at a funeral. Uh, and yet, I mean, moments in, we've got you know, uh, amens about how he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and and that was kind of a recurring theme through it. Um, I think, though, most people also wanted to make a distinction about uh, the life he led, and and uh, I think the loyalty and devotion he evoked, and also evoked it by giving. I, I you know, I never got to speak with Otis before he was um, in this condition in the last 15, 17 years, and I, I don't know if maybe you ever did. No, where, never. Um, so I, I, my memories of him are purely of watching him play and understanding a lot of Chiefs would go over to see him uh, before, he, even after he became more and more uh, unable to communicate. 
Um, so thinking about Otis Taylor, I think about the amazing career, and I think about the really just sad last chapter of his life. But that sad last chapter is all about a family deciding that they're going to spend the last 17 years of his life making him look like he could get up and play at any time. And that's complicated in a lot of ways, and we get a lot of end-of-life questions, but there was certainly um, the message of love about how everybody responded to that. It's great. You know, it's... Vaughn wrote uh, a great column on that. I really would encourage people to read oh, that. Thanks. Yeah, that we're going to... Um, uh, we'll refer to it in the uh, in the written part of this podcast, which will be on KansasCity.com. But, you know, Vahe, for you and I, who started our football fandom around the same time, you know, late 60s, early 70s, but not here, right? We Neither of us were in Kansas City. But for people who are in our age group, uh, when they talk about those Chiefs, he's, he's listed a as the favorite for a lot of people, their favorite chief of that time, right? Not Len Dawson. Now, look, Len and, and Buck Buchanan and, and, and Willie Lanier and all the chiefs that played. But I, I think I run into more people who say Otis Taylor was their favorite player on those on those, those two Super Bowl teams. Yeah, and this is hard to, you know, it's hard to get this across today. The, the idea of a team, like, okay, so by then you're in Raleigh. I'm yeah, in, just I'm gotten in there. Texas okay. and Philadelphia, and it's the Kansas City Super Chiefs. You see them on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and and you know we're just getting Monday Night Football, and yep. we're getting halftime highlights, and Chiefs show up a lot, and and Otis was absolutely exhilarating, um, and I remember uh, you know one of the things Lamar Hunt Jr. said this the other day that he quoted Lenny Dawson Jr. saying that Otis is the reason Len Dawson's in the Hall of Fame. Right, and it's too bad it's not reciprocal, um, but I do think that was th- those were thrilling Chiefs teams, even for those of us who weren't really following the Chiefs. Good stuff uh, on all of it. Thanks, guys, for coming in. And I don't know if we'll do this again soon in this format, but um, uh, but I really enjoyed it, and uh, we got a lot of Chiefs to talk about here in the next few weeks with the draft coming up. As I said, right across the street from where we're sitting. So. Um, Everybody, take care. Thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together today's show and to the Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their Chiefs insights. The best digital sports page out there is called Morning Sports Edition. Today's was 37 pages of NFL, Final Four, baseball, soccer, NBA, NHL, you name it, it was there. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Every day.